0: morning again, and happy Mother's Day again. We're glad all of you mothers are here, because if you weren't, we wouldn't be here either. So, if you're visiting with us today, we are going through the Gospel of Matthew, verse by verse, and today we find ourselves in chapter 17, and we're going to look at verses 14 to 27. Three separate sections. So you can open up your Bibles or your electronic devices to Matthew 17. Now, last week I went on a little trip. trip down to White Salmon to visit his construction sites, and I wasn't sure that I was going to go, but he called me up the night before, and he said, I'll give you a ride in a fire truck. Wow. Deal me in. A fire truck. Now, I've been wanting to be in a—we've all wanted to ride in a fire truck since we were little and I finally get my chance. So we got up early in the morning, and we drive down, and as we're waiting for the restaurant to open, I get this text from my wife. The car won't start. I can't go to the pool. I can't even get the back door open so that I can get my walker out so I can take a different car. Now, I tried to not put any inflection in that, but do you sense the frustration? <laughs> this is one of those texts that you get that don't have any smiley faces attached to them. And there I was, two and a half hours away. But I was there to have fun. <laughs> fun and fellowship and get my first ride in a fire truck a red one David <laughs> I've got to drive one fun fellowship fire trucks and fresh fish we're going to buy some fresh fish everybody likes a fish story right but, you know, as the day wore on, I knew that eventually I was going to have to face the dead battery. And I was going to have to go home and deal with the battery. Now, we all at times have dead batteries. How's your battery doing today? And I'm not talking about the battery in your car. Are you feeling? You all charged today, energized. Maybe some of you are here today and say, my battery's a little low. I need a quick charge. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, my battery is low. I need a full charge. It's drained. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, I got a dead battery. And no matter what I do, I can't keep it charged. It seems to discharge for lots of reasons quicker than I can charge it back up. Our passage this morning is about disciples with a dead back. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 17. And let's look at these three sections together. Our passage covers three separate stories subjects, but at the same time, I feel that there is some continuity with the entire chapter. The first first part of the chapter, as Gene went over last week, is an illustration of the kingdom age, the thousand-year reign of Christ, the time of prosperity and rest that many thought was about to begin, including the disciples. The personalities on the mountain represent the people groups that will be present during the kingdom age. In the three sections today, our Lord is teaching or preparing the disciples for the age to come when he will not be there, the church age. The emphasis of his teaching is shifting because the the kingdom age is going to be postponed. And several people have already mentioned that as we are going through this book of Matthew. The kingdom age is going to be postponed. Why? Because of rejection. Now, the relationships are going to be radically different. And that's why the shift is changing in his uh, teaching. Once again, he's going to teach them or he's going to prepare them for his, his impending death which is very near. The majority of our passage this, this morning is about failure. Failure to believe, failure to appropriate, and failure to appreciate. And as always, we want to stick with the text and what it says. However, information from other passages give us clues and hints as to the reason their failures. This instruction is for them and for us. Demons, death, and drachmas, three sections. Today's message could also be titled, Relationship, Relationship, Now we're going to look at each section separately. This section follows the transfiguration in all three of the synoptic Gospels, with Mark being the most detailed. Synoptic means to see together. Therefore, we will glean some information and details from Mark and Luke as we go through um, this section. Have your Bibles or your, um, your electronic device. Let's read the first section, verses 14 to 21. And when when they were come, the multitude to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is epileptic and greatly ill. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and preserved generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus privately and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed... You shall say to this mountain move and from there to from here to there, and it shall move. and nothing shall be impossible unto you, albeit this kind goeth out, not out except by prayer and fasting. Now verse 21 by the best manuscripts and the most manuscripts is not in there. However, if we look at the evidence from the other two synoptic gospels, what is probably is being said here, what is being said is prayer, not fasting. When will they fast? When the bridegroom is taken from them. So, let's look at these verses, uh, this uh, section verse by verse. James, Peter, James, and John in the Lord are descending the mountain and they return to where the disciples are in Galilee. They've come down right after the the Mount of Transfiguration. The multitude of people has gathered, the masses, people living in sin and under Satan's power. It's exactly what Moses encountered when he came down from a mountain. Gene mentioned that last week as well. Now the scene is a picture of suffering and confusion, And the boy represents a suffering world that won't be fully healed until Jesus returns. Then and in the future. And a desperate father. We have a picture of a desperate father on his knees and a helpless epileptic son on the ground, foaming, grinding his teeth, and he's burned and battered due to demon possession. The man, the father, desperately wants to believe in Jesus' word, but is struggling. And so we ask ourselves, do we struggle and believe Jesus' word? Our actions are revealing. Now, in verse 16, we learn that the group of disciples were powerless. They were impotent, and they were altogether unable to perform. They were dead batteries. And when he sent them back in, uh, in uh, when he sent them out back in chapter ten, if you remember, they went out with power. They went out fully charged. They went out fully functional. And when they returned, right before the feeding of the five thousand, there were no negative reports. What happened? Now Jesus proceeds to use two words for strong rebuke and two rhetorical questions to demonstrate his frustration. And when we read the text, we see that frustration. His rebuke is to his disciples and the crowd. Morgan says this, The use of the two words, faithless and perverse, indicates a sequence. A generation that loses its faith becomes distorted, out of shape. Does that could that appeal to our where we live right now, our, right now where we, where we live in, in this country? Let me read that again. A generation that loses its faith becomes distorted, out of shape. Faithlessness, a characteristic of the multitude in Galilee. For the disciples, it resulted in their failure. To appropriate the power that he previously gave them. Perverse. Perverse was levied at the crowd. It literally means not my children. And it's a repeat from the phrase in Deuteronomy 32 5. And it highlights their moral failure to recognize truth despite all of the miracles that were done in Galilee. Whoa! To you, Bethsaida, and Chorazin, and Capernaum. Woe to you. For if the things that were done in Sodom and Gomorrah were, were done in Sodom and that have done in you, they would have what? Repented. So the term perverse is levied at the people in the area of Galilee, the crowd. Verse 18 says, Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy was cured immediately. The we in their question is in the emphatic position in the Greek. The object of their faith was in themselves. It was misdirected faith. It was faith in their own ability. It was self-gratification and greatness we know from other passages that they argued over who would be the greatest in the kingdom which they thought was imminent they thought the kingdom was about to start but our Lord is always in control even when he is absent the sovereign authority of Jesus to heal is his alone We sang that in the verse this morning. The sovereign authority of Jesus to heal is his alone. He withdrew this power. God does not send the equipped, he equips those he sends. Dr. Ironsides sums up this verse this way. True faith and self-indulgent are never found together. It affects all of our relationships, our vertical relationship and our horizontal relationships. And this quote from Dr. Ironside is the backbone to my message this morning. Let me read it again. True faith and self-indulgence are never found together. And think about that, how it applies to you and to me for all of our relationships. Now, whenever failure is. Whenever there is failure by the disciples and rebuke from the Lord, it always has to do with their lack of faith. Not in their faith in him being the Messiah, but in their faith in believing his word. Failure to appropriate his power. Oh, that I might know him and the power of, Their little faith was less than the proverbial mustard seed that the Lord cites. And he says a minuscule amount could overcome overcome great difficulties and obstacles ahead of them. And those difficulties and obstacles are about to come. Persecution. Now what can we conclude that the Lord is teaching them? Relationship, alignment. I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Abide in me continually. I am the way, the truth, and the life. God shares his glory with no one. Bob and I were together. We talked about that last very thing we talked about. God does not share his glory with anyone. And Bob, a lot of the things we talked about, I've already had in my mind for this message. Praise the Lord. Nothing is impossible for the disciple who works within the framework of God's will. Prayer precedes all ministry and aligns our service with Christ. Prayer demonstrates humility, dependency, and submission. Think about that. Prayer demonstrates humility, dependency, and submission. Now, in the next section, section two, our Lord prepares his disciple for what is rapidly approaching his death and resurrection. Verse 22. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. And it says here in Matthew, And they were exceedingly sorry. They were deeply grieved. This section is reported as the other one in all three synoptics. Here it says they were deeply grieved. Mark says, they did not understand and were afraid to ask. Luke says, the statement was concealed from them and they couldn't understand. They did not understand until after the resurrection. Luke 24, 45. It was more than they could digest. Their relationship with the Lord was going to radically change. Now the next section, the last section, they go to Capernaum for the last time. And in this section, Peter takes center stage. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, "Doeth not your master pay tribute?" And he said, "Yes." And when he was come into the house, Jesus spoke first to him, saying, "What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute of their own sons?" Or of strangers. Peter said to him, of strangers. Jesus said unto him, Then are the sons free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Go thou to the sea, and cast a hook, and take up the fish that first comes up. And when thou opens its mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that, and give it to to them for me and for thee. The tribute or tax in question is the half shekel per man, 20 years old or above, that was used to support the tabernacle, Exodus 30.13. It was reinstated by Nehemiah after the exiles returned in Nehemiah 10.32, to support the temple. The tax collectors confronted Peter while Jesus was not present. The implication was that Jesus did not keep the law. Out of frustration and embarrassment, Peter answers for Jesus. In his omniscience, Jesus knew the conversation before Peter returned and Jesus uses the occasion for a teaching time, Peter needs a refresher course. Our Lord always asks the right question to expose. The disciples witnessed countless miracles. Peter recently confessed Jesus to be Christ, the Son of God. Peter was wrong in the first place, to answer for Jesus. As the Son of God, Jesus was exempt from paying the tax. On the mountain, Peter wants to build tents or tabernacles. And I got to believe that Peter understood what was going on. And he understood Ezekiel 45. And he understood that during the, the millennial kingdom, they're going to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And with Elijah being there, it was even more convincing that the kingdom was about to begin. And Peter understood what was going to happen. However, by offering to build the tabernacle or the tent for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus was essentially placing Jesus as an equal with Moses and Elijah. For Abraham was, I am. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the ruler of time, nature, and creation. He is all-knowing and all-powerful. He is the creator, sustainer of everything. Peter just witnessed our Lord's glory on the mountain. Peter is having trouble rather than offending those who were ignorant, Jesus is willing to pay the debt that he doesn't owe. Give it to them for me and thee. Notice the wording. Jesus doesn't say, give it for us. Their relationship demands separation. They're not equals. Jesus isn't Peter's buddy, and he's not our buddy. The relationship demands separation. He is Emmanuel. I no longer call you servants, but friends. And that is a precious relationship, but it does not give us license to hold Jesus as common. Now, Jesus could have kicked over a rock and said, looky there, Peter, a shekel. Go pay the tax. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he sends Peter on an errand. And he gives Peter opportunity to obey, to witness the miraculous, and to contemplate the relationship. There are three miracles New Testament involving fish, and Peter is in the center of all three, and all three are powerful demonstrations of Jesus' deity. Now, you remember the first one. Jesus is on the shore of Lake Galilee, and the crowd is pressing him into the water, and the disciples are on the seashore washing their nets. And so Jesus gets into Peter's boat and Peter pushes him off and he commends to teaching the crowd. When that is finished, he says, Peter, let's go fishing. And Peter says, we've been out all night and we've caught nothing. But nevertheless, on your request, we'll go back out. So the Lord takes Peter out to the deep, out where he hasn't been. Outward, the water is dark, and Peter's going to go to lots of places where, that are deep. And he says, cast the nets down, and they cast the nets down, and pretty soon the nets are full of water. They're full of fish. There's so many fish in them, the nets begin to tear, and they fill up the boat. And the boat is so full and starting to sink, they call their buddies, and their buddies come over, and they fill up a boat. And Peter's standing there, and they got two boatloads of fish. And what does Peter do? gets on his knees and he says, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinner. Same response we get from Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, isn't it? What does the Lord say? Peter, follow me. Now the second miracle regarding fish, this one right here. Jesus sends Peter out to catch a fish. And the first fish that he brings up has this coin in it to pay the tax. And i got to think that Peter's mind went back to that first miracle when they caught all those fish. And the third miracle <clears throat> happens after the resurrection. And it's recorded in the Gospel of John. And once again, they're on of Lake Galilee. And after the events of the crucifixion. Peter. Hates himself. Peter. Peter is. Dis, is disappointed in himself. For his failure. So Peter says. I go fishing. Six of the other disciples says. If you're going fishing Peter. We're going with you. So all six of them join Peter and there are seven of them in a boat right off the shore fishing all night in the dark. It's dark. But sunrise is coming. The daylight is coming. And when the daylight starts, the Lord is on the shore. And he yells out to them, children. Children. Do you have any food? And they say, no, we didn't catch anything. And so the Lord yells back to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat. And they do that, and they put the net down, and pretty soon the net is full of fish. And John looks over at Peter, and he says, it's the Lord. And Peter jumps out of the boat. And they drag all the fish in in the net. And in the the net, there's 153 big fish. And then they're on the the shore and they're around the fire. The Lord's already prepared a meal and they're around the fire. And it says the disciples didn't say, are you Jesus? Because they knew it was Jesus. Now that's one of the strangest verses in the entire New Testament. That's a different sermon for a different time. But they're standing around the fire, and the Lord looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, eat my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, eat my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. And I think it's at that moment that the, that Peter finally appreciated who this was that was standing next to him. He finally understood who this was that was standing next to him. Now, there's three miracles regarding Fish and Peter. The first one was to recruit him, Peter, followed. The second one, this one here, was to remind him. Peter, who do men say that I am? I art the Christ, the Son of God. And this third miracle was to restore him. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. You know everything. You know. What motivates us here this morning? What motivates all of us? Is it because we have a close prayer communion with the Lord and that we understand that he is the vine and we are the branches and apart from him, we can't do anything? Is it? Be, are we motivated because we know that he died on a cross for our sins and paid the debt that we Or is it because of all the times that he has restored us and brought us into right relationship with him and proved himself to us? Hopefully it's for all of those reasons and a whole lot more. Now, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you need to get recruited. I don't know everybody here. There might be somebody here that has never trusted the Lord. And after the service, I'll be over here. And if you want to talk about that, I'll be happy to talk about that. And we'll talk about how you can become a Christian. You can do like Peter and you can fall on your knees and you can say, I'm a sinner. And you can say, I'll follow you. And I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. And I believe that you rose again. Now, for those of us who know the Lord, how's our relationship doing? If we want to be shining lights and taste salty, need to have this relationship in order so that we can get the power that the disciples wanted for this relationship. True faith and self-indulgence prayer, I would like to read the doxology in Jude and a couple other verses along with it because it encapsulates everything that we've said here this morning. Jude 20 through 25. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some having compassion, making a difference, and others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, having even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory.